And welcome to another fun-filled, exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is, of course, the only podcast that talks about X-Men on Mondays and ranks all the stories in sequential order if that sequence is from best to worst and not in any sort of numbering or chronological state. I do this, and I'm Zach <laughs> Jenkins. That giggly boy is Adam Reck. Adam, how are we doing today? I am good. I am excited to explore the gender spectrum today um, with our stories. So uh, this should be a fun one. Yeah, this this is this is an interesting batch of stories we got together. And it's something <laughs> that I like. Like we talked about, I'm not sure how many back it'll be, three episodes back when this goes up, about mm-hmm. uh, how we liked the X-Men bar stories. Because it's yeah, just- those are fun fun one shots that are character driven and you learn a lot about people and you get good fun family moments and this is a lot like this now just as a programming note these are not the stories that kelly thompson gave us on our last episode because that hasn't happened yet in our mm. relative time frame i don't know what she's <laughs> going to pick but we record things out of order sometimes for reasons but now this was inspired by uh a selection from our audience is that is that correct not just from our audience the member of our audience who s- sits here listens to us on his commute or on his phone or whatever and he says you know what i like what these fine folks are doing so i'm going to mosey on over to patreon.com and throw in my two dollars i am of course nice. talking about ian gregory so ian thank you just a ton because he selected yeah, that's great yeah he selected Uncanny X-Men Volumes 1, number 245, which is a comic called Men. Men. Manly men. Men, 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 <laughs> men, men, men. Man, that's, a, that's not a fun show. That's worse than this comic. That's, that's the official ranking right now, two and a half men. Every episode is worse than this issue of X-Men written by Chris Claremont with pencils by The Rob. Rob Liefeld, who I think is the only creator on Twitter to have banned me and blocked me. And I, for the life of me, I don't know why I may have made you fun of. You got blocked of, by Liefeld? Yeah, really? it's the weirdest thing. I may have made fun of Liefeld no. feet once, but come on, I'm a comic book fan. People do that. Uh, I'm, I'm generally I, nice know, on Twitter, I feel like. So I don't think know. Think what you want about Rob. He's he's a lot of fun on social media. He, he That's a good job. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Rob Liefeld, the creator, I have respectful criticism of. Rob Liefeld, the human, at this point in his life, seems like he's a pretty chill dude. Like he got past his 20s where stories go about him maybe not being the best human. But he seems like he's a pretty nice, reasonable guy right now. So more power to him. He yeah, drew this comic, never, by the way. Yeah. Um if you've never seen, have you ever seen the image documentary, uh, the image revolution? I have not. It's been on my to watch list in my mind, but not on my Netflix because I've never searched for it. I always hear it and I say, I should watch that at some point. 
it is a blast and mainly because of Leifold because he's on there and he does the most wicked Todd McFarlane impression. And uh, he's just very, very funny throughout the entire uh, movie. So that's that's worth catching up with. It's very, very amusing. Okay, well, here's um, the thing about Todd. Here's the thing about Todd. And I'm just going to we're we're getting into image corner here, but I think okay. it's necessary. Did you know that Todd doesn't eat? He doesn't eat. Could you elaborate on that? He chooses not to eat on occasion, on several occasions, if he's really focused and his assistant will not let anyone bring him food for days on end. This is a rumor. Really? I cannot source this except for back to some interview that I listened to, but I listened to a lot of podcast interviews. I want to say huh. that this was on Ajax, War Rocket Ajax, but I can't That's tell you for sure. Because what I think it was recently, there was an interview that, that he did where he talked about um, denying uh, people bathroom breaks and giving them tons of water during like his toy negotiation sessions so yes. that like he could get them to break down and give him what he wanted. So maybe he's got some real issues with, uh, with food and water and, and that sort of thing. That's wacky. Hmm. He is quite a guy, but he didn't make this comic. No, let's talk about this. No, comic, should we? Are we starting with uh, with men? We are now. We are now. We've already we've already talked about image yeah, for three minutes. Well. Uh, yeah, let's so get men, into it because uh, it's interesting. This is oh the follow up sequel to the next comic we're going to cover, which is spoiler alert: it's the Girls' Night comic that comes right before yeah. this, but. This is all the X-Men have just been infernoed and they just need a friggin' break. It turns out that hellscapes and demons just they aren't good for the soul. So <laughs> after seeing all the ladies, you know, take a break and have a good time, the men decide men. by men. I do, of course, mean Wolverine decides. Yeah, they don't get to go to a bar without me going to a bar, which is a very Wolverine thought process. <laughs> that's right now the other big thing that happens is that aliens known as the conquest want to take over the earth and start in australia now the conquest is a riff on the dc series invasion which was a big crossover in the 80s that i have not read i just know that it leads to animal man which again i haven't read hmm. but it's exactly the kind of book that i need to read like I like Grant Morrison. Yeah, that sounds I like, like a result. Man. Yeah, I mean, if your crossover is going to result in something, it might as well be Animal Man. Yeah, it's that. That's pretty good from everything I hear. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and we've got a lot of little uh, little cameos here too as the story begins. So, um, you know, if you glance around uh, the page, we get a little Star Wars. We get a little Alien. I think Alf is in Alf. one of the uh, panels, right? Alf who was published so, by Marvel Comics for some period of time, and I do not know if that included 1989. Um, that's a good question. When does Star Comics end? Because that's an interesting, like, 80s imprint that had, uh, you know, like, all of the Saturday morning stuff. Um, and Saturday Alf morning for some stuff. reason. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know. You know, it's like uh -huh. Smurfs and Alf. And uh, that's, man, Marvel's a wacky place. And a couple uh, of comics that oh, never appeared again until the 2009 X-Babies miniseries, which mm. is freaking Wolvie, not Wolvie from Claremont X-Babies, Wolvie from the 2009 X-Baby series, who was supposed to replace regular X-Baby Wolvie 
he's going to be in a comic book in the year of our Lord 2018. And I cannot believe it. Yeah, it's that's a very wild uh, re- revelation from this week that we were dealing with a different Wolvian. That's a deep cut, man. Yeah. Deep, deep cut. Fun fact, guys. When Saladin Amid's and uh, Javier Rodriguez's Exiles comes out, you should buy it. Just the creative team alone <laughs> is very good. But then it also has old man Kamala Khan. Yeah. And they just announced it's basically, well, it's not, they're saying it's not exactly, but MCU Valkyrie from Ragnarok. What a great inspired uh, selection of characters. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Let's talk about this comic now, though. Let's, let's read yeah, what say, our listeners really want. So yeah, we've got aliens that want to invade. Uh, Havoc is so bummed out that, um, you know, post Inferno, he's, he's kind of using Madeline Pryor's video screen room to um spy on everybody i i want to just point out a panel here that really just is very strange to me and that is that the first panel of character introduction is storm who i guess is in the upper atmosphere showering um so that means that havoc is checking her out while she's bathing and then on top of that gateway is like in the panel as well somewhere below her (laughs) It's so, like, uh, can Storm have some privacy, please? Well, we we know canonically two things. One, Storm is not held by our Western hangups on nudity, and she is perfectly fine That's true. with her body. And two, Claremont mm-hmm. really likes to draw or to have people draw Storm showering. This is a hmm. constant threat. This is like him having people mind controlled. This is yeah. We're this, gonna see some. Uh, ex ladies bathing in the other uh, issue we're gonna we're gonna do too i just thought it was interesting that havoc was using his spy equipment to uh to do that i'm not sure how but uh. havoc's a weirdo (laughs) havoc havoc can be a weird boy and he's depressed so wolverine decides they should go to a bar because havoc's depressed colossus is tired of being a giant silver man and long shot well he only knows four women and two of them are already really mad at him because he kind of likes <laughs> each other, both of them. So he's like, you can right. meet other females too. Or man, I yeah, mean, Colossus goes, Colossus goes through this uh, wacky makeover with Dazzler where she basically paints him because he can't yeah. switch back out of his metal form. There's some weird stuff here. And then the aliens have uh, their gene bomb. Do you want to get yes. into that? <laughs> That's an odd thing. No, it's a pun. It's this entire I, – I, I want to imagine this entire thing. Well, wait. Hold on because this is back to Invasion. If I'm remembering right about this comic, I've only heard about and never read. The gene bomb, G-E-N-E bomb, was what the aliens in Invasion were going to use to take over the world or do whatever aliens do. So the gene bomb, the J-E-A-N bomb – is a bomb that looks like Jean Grey and uses vaguely Phoenix things that, frankly, they make that pun and then they say, we're going to use the Gene Bomb and then never use the Gene Bomb. Well, but it is a nice little uh, meta commentary because I, I have the uh, page in front of me. Um, the alien is saying, the Gene Bomb possesses the power to fatally disrupt any and all relationships, personal, professional, <laughs> organic, inorganic, macro, micro, whatever. And he, you could just see Claremont, like, you know, giggling to himself as he's writing this shade onto the page. He's you know? very upset about X Factor. <laughs> he is so oh, very. Yeah. yeah, don't get Claremont started mm-hmm. on that. 
he will rant and rave yeah. about how mad he is still. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get some bar shenanigans, aliens invade. Um, it, it eventually gets wrapped up pretty quickly because Havoc just kind of blows them up out of the sky. Yeah, um, well, the aliens he wasn't playing poker with. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, do you do we want to talk a little bit about Leifold art? I don't think we have we had an opportunity to talk about Rob Leifold yet on this show. There's nothing about Rob Leifold's art that can be said or really at this point, I think, evaluated with a clear critical lens just because of the cloud of let's make fun of Rob Leifold that's existed for a while. For what it's worth, mm. I don't think this issue is all that bad like it's cartooning it's not perfect but this isn't peak life field well you know we're this is still pre uh his new mutants run by by a shot so right. um you know we're, we're not quite into that territory you know this is more doing some marvel comics presents stuff maybe i think we're even pre hawk and dove here um don't quote me on that but yeah, it you know this is early Liefeld, but I agree it works for this particular story because this is just a bizarre little nugget. You know, it, it is so odd, especially within the continuity. It shows that Claremont is kind of like maybe I don't know when I when I read this for the first time, I almost got the suspicion that Claremont was kind of bored um, and really wanted to just oh yeah this uh, is... just have some fun and be silly and try something out there. What did, what, did you get that impression when you read this? Yeah, this is Claremont just saying, what can I get away with? And he realized that yeah. he's Chris Claremont in 1989, and the answer is everything. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. I like yeah. I like this issue. It's There's not a lot of talk about. It is a visual treat. Like the Rob's very detailed, a lot of lines style works for this because every panel is jam-packed, every page – Every nook and cranny is filled with stuff. And I think that plays to Liefeld's strong suits. In fact, it kind of makes mm-hmm. me wonder if Rob didn't shift into total creative being the biggest thing in comics and having a Levi's commercial about him, Rob Liefeld, if he instead paired with a bigger writer, bigger, you know, to kind of script him and guide him. I wonder if he would have the reputation that he had because I I honestly think that with the right pair pairing he probably could have been you know not as infamous as he is. Well, I think a lot of that infamy comes along with uh you know some of the ego and you know that he was an idea factory um you know the it like you said before there's there's been so much commentary on on this era and and what he was all about um and where it goes and that's why i have to recommend that um that documentary again because it does speak to him looking back with a lot of humility as to how outrageous that got you know he yeah. he was there with extreme studios literally buying people cars as bonuses for you know signing on to his books that were never coming out on time or if at all. So, um, you know, it, it's an era of excess that I don't know that anything really could have course corrected. (laughs) Um, but this issue is, is way before that. And it's just stands as a very, very strange standalone story of parody and, and comedy. That's almost like an Excalibur story in a way. 
um, you know, in, in its silliness. So uh, I, I'm not like the biggest fan of this particular issue, but I appreciate it on its own terms. I think yeah. it's really weird and wacky. And I, I like that. I like that, it, you know, Claremont was able to get away with something like this. I think it's very refreshing between Inferno and the severe darkness of the X-Men just losing so much that's about to come out. Like this, this is the kind of stuff that makes Claremont's run feel well paced because he gives you the, and we're going to have two fun issues before things get bad again. I, I think that works. Yeah. Now, where yeah, do you, th- agree. where do you think we should rank this on our big list? Cause right now we have <sighs> 60 comics on here. Number one is days of future past. Number 60 is X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire, which – and then we got 58 others in between. Uh, I'll tell you a story that it's similar to that I don't think it's better than is that Astonishing Tales Mojo World, which is at number 42 right now. Astonishing Tales that, Mojo World so is a funny, fun little thing, but – Yeah. I was looking at that exact same place on the list, honestly. Um, I, I think it's right in that, in that sweet spot of the forties because, um, you know, this is just a weird, meaningless thing, but it's fun. Um, I think I might've, uh, I think I may have liked Mojo world better. I think yes, some of its jokes too. land a little bit better. And I think the art is, um, you know, we said that it, that had that weird where's Waldo aspect to it about it's, it's doing a similar thing. Um, so I think that might be a good place to put this. Yeah, I think it is worse than Mojo World. Uh, did you like it better than the Excalibur Bar issue? Yes, which is at forty-four. I think it's, it's, yeah, okay. I have to also. I mean, I don't think we pointed this out, but I mean, I'm a huge Australia X Men fan, so anything that comes out of this particular era with this character lineup, you know, I, it's kind of a sweet spot for me. So um, I, I think that's a nice place for it to go. Well, I think the only the only other thing we have between that is what if the X Men stayed in Asgard, and I think I like this better mm-hmm. than what if the X Men stayed in Asgard. It's I'm going to remember this more, even if that what if is pretty fun. Yeah, I'm with you. That's probably perfect. A, I think that's a good slot. That puts it in at number forty three, men. men. So now that we've done men, do you know what we're going to do? I think we're going to do a little uh, backward step. And uh, yeah. and head to the mall. <laughs> Let's head to the mall. Yeah, we're going to go to the <laughs> mall today. This is Uncanny X-Men 244. It is called Ladies Night. It's probably most well-known because it is the first appearance of Jubilation Lee, who yes. is just great. Like, she's not Jubilee yet. She is no 80% of a Jubilee. But she's yeah, almost we're getting- there. Yeah, we're getting the basics. We're not quite to like, you know, the irascible, stubborn uh, kid. But what better way to introduce <laughs> Jubilee than have her entertaining a crowd at a, at a crowded mall and then have literally an army of mall cops <laughs> try and basically kill her. Um, <laughs> it's so bizarre. This yeah. is a great issue. I love this. My favorite thing about the mall cops is if you look closely, it's really just one dude who does not like Jubilee, but he's in charge. And the other right. mall cops are like, oh, friggin' look, I just want to go home. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this, Travis. Yeah. Can you just let this freaking You're making too big of a run? deal of this? It's fine. People right. are happy. 
I don't know if the mall guy's name is Travis. Oh, really? I think his name is Lou, thanks to the Marvel Wikia, which is too detailed for me. Really? Yep. Wow. It's either Lou the, or Bill. A name for that character. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I think this is, it's a great thing. It, it really, you know, mall culture, um, in the eighties is a huge part of X-Men lore to begin with. Um, they, they factor into new mutants very strongly. Um, you know, obviously I think a lot of people's touchstone for X-Men is the, uh, animated series pilot, which also takes place in a mall. Right. Um, so issues like this, where we get an opportunity to go to the mall and there's elements of mall rats, uh, you know, not, not the Kevin Smith movie, which I also do like. Um, but there's like skaters in this, um, that are knocking over the mall cops. I, I just, I like the, uh, setting. I think it's really fun. And as a big Jubilee fan, um, I really like this introduction. I think it's great. Yeah. So Jubilee's great. I, that goes without saying, even though we did say it, uh, yeah, the rest of this issue is all of the ladies just freaking deciding screw this we just battled demons and rogue has several people living in her head let's go to the <laughs> mall and act like regular people yeah and that's going to be a, a similar sentiment that gets uh in our last uh story that we're going to talk about today uh, in a couple minutes but i like that idea i do like the idea that the characters have a they're striving for normalcy to a certain extent and and even that they may not even know what that is yeah. um you know well, there's a panel where they're um giving storm a makeover and they're, they're um you know trying on clothes and storm is kind of like why are we doing this and they're just because because it's fun and we need a break from like fighting demons in new york city so well look know, at these four nice characters touch. Let's look at these four characters. You have Rogue, who was a poor swamp kid who then was raised by terrorists and then mm -hmm. hung out with the X-Men. You have Psylocke, who is a rich British aristocrat who was a fashion model, a spy, a superhero, had her eyes ripped out, and then finally hung out with the X-Men. You have Storm, who was a thief and a goddess and an X-Men, and then she lost all of her powers, and then she got them all back. And then you have Dazzler, who's a celebrity. None of these freaking mm -hmm. people know what normal is. <laughs> no. No. So it's nice that, uh, you know they're clearly looking at this in terms of uh, a chance to play, which is really fun. Um, and then, you know, as if that wasn't enough, you know, with the introduction of Jubilee and then these guys just kind of doing a hangout thing, um, we get leftover from the Inferno M squad returns, uh, yeah. the, the Chris Claremont, um, little ghostbuster knockoff weird thing, which you know, is maybe an unnecessary touch on top of what's already going on, but it adds another level of just silliness to this story. That's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. It gives them a, uh, it gives them a foil. It just, it gives the plot something to do because he has to wrap up the story with six pages of punching yeah. like every superhero comic. And this gives it that. Well, and yeah. And, and something does need to interrupt storm dancing on stage with the Chippendales, which for some reason is in a shopping mall. Uh, is that normal? I yeah, don't know. Um, let's, I don't talk about the, let's talk about being... the codes of this Hollywood shopping mall, <laughs> because there is a, what we're going to call generously a skimpy dressed man's cocktail bar. Yeah. Like yeah. let's 
not assume that there was going to be a lap dance, even though definitely, definitely Dazzler pays for Storm to get a lap dance. Uh, that's a weird <laughs> thing to have in a mall. Like, it's a I don't little strange. I mean, look, if that's what you like, more power to you. I just, I don't think the mall is the right setting for that. Like, you're not going <laughs> to go, you're not going to go to your JC Pennies and get a nice new pair of slacks and then hop on over to Chippendales and just enjoy yourself. Like, that's, I don't understand their choices as far as what products they are going to pair in this mall. It's still a fun right. issue. It's great. I mean, I, I think it's a really silly touch, but whatever, you know, like it's, it's odd for a mall to have uh, you know, a liquor license and a strip club inside of it, but you know, let, let's just roll with it. Um, yeah. And all of this wraps up with uh, some butt kicking of uh, the M squad who some sort of wacky uh, thing. And then Jubilee gets to follow him back to Australia, which then we start to get the Jubilee that we all know and love, which is great. So this is a really fun issue. I like this a lot. It it kind of just ends. I don't know. This ends kind of like men ends. It just Claremont's like, oh shoot, I'm on page seventeen. Got to wrap it up, and it it works out. Yeah, like you know, this is kick fun. Butt, kick the M squad out. They've got this like machine, and then um, Jubilee gets to follow him back home uh, through through Gateway's portal. Yep. And it, it is kind of insinuated that Gateway leaves the portal open so that Jubilee can follow them back oh yeah gateway um, knew what he i was like doing. that that's a nice yeah it's a nice, Even nice if, little character touch well you say that like gateway has any real defined characteristics because gateway has no characteristics until he dies unceremoniously in uncanny x-force years later yeah, I the only reason I mention it is because um in Generation X, Gateway does come back um yeah. even in the back uh, in the Bachalo issues and the interactions between Jubilee and Gateway are really funny. <laughs> I love the way that they uh, communicate back and forth. Um she's always yelling at him and uh I just I don't know. I like the idea that Gateway for some reason thought it was necessary to bring this little brat into uh the X-Men continuity. So it's really fun. Yeah, this is this is a good issue. It has Claremont writing Storm. Perfect. It has this is Claremont getting his characterization right for everyone. And I like it. I like it better than men for sure. Yeah, me too. Oh, and I I think we'd be remiss. We we spent a little bit of time talking about Leifold, um, but Silvestri, um, you know, I think is maybe like one of the most. Uh, chronically underappreciated X-Men artists for his run. Um, he's outstanding and uh, he does a really good job on this issue. Um, I, yeah. I like the way he does all of the cartoony stuff versus the, you know, the fashion stuff and it's good. So in terms of ranking, um, I don't know. I, I like this one. I think there's a lot going for it. It's um, better than men. I'm going to, are I'm, you looking on the list? I'm going to say something that some of our listeners may mm. find controversial, but I stand by this. I think this is yeah. better than Inferno. Okay. Because I, I, I know it's better in the than Factor 27, mm-hmm. and I think it's better than Inferno. I'm not sure that it's better than that Howard the Duck story, but I kind of want to put it ahead of that because uh, I, I'm I'm looking up towards maybe... Um, and I'm being jaded a little bit here and, and guided by my love of Jubilee. So 
I, I may even put this ahead of the first arc of ultimate X-Men. Um, or, or it's gotta be somewhere in that area. I think I'm not sure I like I, it more than Mojo mayhem. though. I don't think it's better than Mojo mayhem because Mojo mayhem is again, kind of a wacky adventure, just like both of these stories. But Mojo yeah. Mayhem has Art Adams, and no matter how good Mark Silvestri is, he's not Art I'm with Adams. You. I'm with you. With I you where do you feel? I, how, how about Ultimate X Men? I think this is probably a tighter story than Ultimate X Men, but I do have okay. a lot of good feelings towards that first volume of Ultimate X Men. I I like this better. I know I like it better than that Howard the Duck, even though that Howard the Duck is very good. This is quintessential X Men, where Howard the Duck oh, could yeah. arguably not be on this list. <laughs> that's very true. So I think that's a good spot for it. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, new number thirty. New number thirty. New number thirty. Ladies' night. Now our last one is a spiritual sequel to Ladies' Night. I think is the right way to put it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good, you know, it's kind of like a spiritual uh, sequel, if you will. Yeah, this is a controversial run to some people. In fact, I think this is probably the most like it or hate it run of X-Men. It's the Brian Michael hmm. Bendis Uncanny run, because I know a lot of people who adore this run. They think it's great. There's a lot of I people. Like it. Yeah, I, I like it too. We named our podcast Battle of the Atoms, so it's not <laughs> just a catchy name. Anyway, no, I'm on record. I like Bendis's run on both Uncanny and All New. I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, I just wish it had a, a clearer um, uh, landing, uh, you know, for the end. Friggin' Secret I Wars. Know. I thought I had some really cool stuff going on there. It did. One of those cool things was Uncanny X-Men number 15.inh. <laughs> that, oh, my gosh. That's a thing. That is what Marvel Comics used to represent that the book was a tie-in to the inhumanity event which was post infinity after black bolt blew up uh adelan and sent the you know terrigen cloud into the air but not the terrigen cloud that murders people that came after uh, no, I think they're the same, aren't they? Isn't the, this the, the, the cloud evolved? The cloud, the cloud yeah. wasn't murdery just yet. It turned into no. a murder cloud after Secret no. Wars because science and reasons. And I got some mixed feelings about that era of X Men. There's some stuff I like. We I just we've not ranked any of it yet, though. This whole uh, you know infinity to ivx thing where they're just trying to make the inhumans happen you know and it just is like the inhumans are they're they're pretty cool on their own yeah you know what i mean they, they really don't need to be x-men part two because that's not what the inhumans are about and i find this whole thing just baffling as a as a, a need to kind of push and i know there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there about was it, you know, related to who owns the movie rights and um, all wrong. was there an intention? All those conspiracy it, you know, theories like, are wrong. I don't I've buy into any of that. that. I, I just... can't tell you what my theory is. Yeah, please. And I've, I've told this on my other podcast, Legion, but the Inhumans books were supposed to be headed by Matt Fraction, who's pretty good at comics. 
He's written mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. favorite run of comics ever. He's pretty good. Uh, anyway, he was pitching it as a big political Game of Thrones thing before calling it a Game of Thrones thing was a cliche. So he was going to do that, but then he got fired or left the book. He tells the story hmm. as he got fired. Interesting. And then okay. they, they didn't like his take on it, whatever, or whatever. So I really think they had set all this stuff up and they yeah. set up some good stuff with the Inhuman stuff like Ms. Marvel, who's great. But they they found they found themselves not having the plan A and having to go to plan B and scrambling hardcore. And it yeah. ends it ends with this. And that's kind of how this book feels. Cause this is a Brian Michael well, Bendis feels- point. With, yeah. with uh, Chris Anka on Pencils and Inks. This is I, Anka's first issue of Uncanny X-Men. I think he'd done some specials before that. Chris Anka's very good. Oh, this is great. This is awesome. I mean, you know, he's... Uh, I think he's on record as saying, you know, his his start in the industry at large is, you know, character design, um, costume design, even toy design. Um, and so, you know, he's starting to do covers and then when Marvel wants him to, they start asking him to do occasional issues and, uh, he eventually kind of, you know, works his way up to being able to do monthly, uh, series, which, you know, is a huge accomplishment for anybody But here. This is an outstanding issue. Yeah, it really is. And I do want to take an addendum to that story because I actually just listened to an interview with Anka on uh, Off Panel, which is a fantastic comic book interview podcast uh, where Marvel mm-hmm. was friggin' trying to get him to draw monthly comics for over a year, like two years before he actually did. Because he was doing covers back in like 2010, 2011 for New Mutants, I think. So he'd been mm-hmm. on their radar and he had just said, nah, I, I, I don't want to do a monthly comic. And thank God he did because he's his character designs are beautiful. They're expressive. His costume design is fantastic. Anka is a very good person to draw this story about the people at the new Charles Xavier School in the old Weapon X headquarters deciding they don't want to live in a murder <laughs> place and they just want to go to the mall even though it's a cliche yeah and they acknowledge that i they're you know they're like hey we're just stuck in this bunker and you know this also does a good job of acknowledging what we we saw in ladies night which is um you know gene gray for example is is basically just saying like i have absolutely no experience whatsoever being the teenage girl that I am supposed to be within this timeline or any timeline. Like I have no idea what that's supposed to be. And if you look at this cast, none of them do, you know, the Stepfords certainly don't, uh, you know, uh, magic is looking at them like they're absolutely insane. She's like, if you need something, I'll teleport and get it for you. So there is this miraculous page um, where they they bump into a uh, white queen who is asleep in <laughs> this awkward, you know, having looked like she fell asleep while she was, you know, I don't know, like mid something. She was just uh, trying to get comfortable. And we've all been there. Yeah, it's like a it's like a a Garfield getting comfy kind of across a chair and a tabletop kind of pose. <laughs> and when they bring 
right? I wonder- That's what it is. And then when they bring this idea up, she's just like, yes, like normal people. And then what does she do? She goes into her closet and pulls out this gigantic <laughs> duffel bag full of money. And they're like, is this, is this happening? Like, and she's like, yeah, duh. Like I, I have I'm money. Rich. And they're like, who is this? Oh, well it's ours, but it's mine. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so, such a great concept. Like that. It's, it's up. It's Bendis just stretching one page into two pages. Like it's just fine. him doing a, not a more. double page splash, but he's doing two pages there and it's perfect. It's, those two pages are among my favorite things that Bendis wrote on his entire run of X-Men. I do love it. Oh, this is great. great. We get the cuckoos being mean to uh, Jean, but really it's just Celeste being mean. And Mindy and Phoebe mm-hmm. are just like, oh, she seems fine. I don't, you really don't yeah, like this like girl. Jean. Yeah, she's fine. Like, what's the big deal? It's great. This is, this is such a good half an issue. Well, I oh, I'm I'm glad you said that because I, I think I was starting to get into this before when we started talking about how you know the idea of trying to make the Inhumans happen. I just wish that this was more in line with with Ladies' Night in that the mall sequence, you know, the shopping, uh, real let's be normal people lasted for more than I think it's maybe like maybe two pages you know we get a a quick synopsis of we've gone shopping we've eaten gross food um but then we immediately jump into the rest of the issue which is about some no-name inhuman character bursting out of one of its gross terrigen bubbles and like getting abducted by aim like i i just it does nothing and goes this is where it really feels like the Inhumans agenda was wedging in on what people wanted to get out of their X-Men. And I can understand why people were frustrated because you, you're, you're pairing what is really like a great fun issue with great characterization of the characters you want to be following with something that you don't really think they have any business talking about or interacting with to begin with. It's completely out of the blue. And then it's never followed up on in an X book again. And while I'm pretty sure I I know I read all of the Inhumans stuff because Marvel Unlimited is a gift. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a friggin' thing about following up on this. I'm pretty sure it happened at some point, maybe with Equinex the or Equinex whatever the Inhuman company is. Anyway, half this issue is so worth your time, and you should find it immediately and then an inhuman's going to show up and then just stop reading because the book doesn't care it gives up at that point it it's frustrating yeah well and and it even gets to the point where you know the inhuman knocks out the whole team um which okay <laughs> you know you got this There's not even punching no you get this really powerful uh you know explosion type thing going on and like all these all powerful mutants just get completely knocked out and that's that's the end of the issue pretty much they're like let's go home um so definitely come for the uh the great characterization and the fun first half of the issue and then you're right you could probably skip the rest which makes it a little more difficult to rank i would say i i think we think about the good and we think about the bad Mm. i think i i know i like it better or less than ladies night Mm mm-hmm I I like the good parts of it better than men. I don't like the bad parts of it better than men. Right. 
Yeah. I, I like the bad parts better than I like Deadly Genesis. That's my floor. Okay. I think weighed together, this is better than number 53, Deadly Genesis. Mm-hmm. Is it? You know what? I, I'm looking in the same area as where we we just ranked men um, because I do like the first half of this quite a bit. I think Anka is doing a, a beautiful job, um, you know, with it. I I think I liked this better than the Excalibur drinking story that we just ranked um, in, in a recent Ooh, really? episode. I was going to go below that. Okay. I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, this is a story that is not essential, but it has some really fun character work in it. Um, Cause what I think actually it's most comparable to is exiles where we liked a lot of the concept and we liked a lot of the stuff that was happening in those first two issues of exiles, uh-huh. but the actual execution and the plot part of it fell flat. Okay. Yeah. I, w- I would say then maybe we squeeze it in between Excalibur 91 and Exiles 1 and 2. Um, you know, it's got, you know, really good character work, really good artwork, and maybe just kind of like it doesn't stick the landing. Yeah. So it is written. So it shall be. Number 47 on list, Uncanny X-Men 15.inh. <laughs> oh, that time they tried to make Inhumans happen. And oh, boy. Do you know what's do you know what's beautiful about that title? What, please. It tells me it 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 completely describes all of my feelings for it. Because it's <laughs> Uncanny X-Men 15. Good. INH. Okay. It it immediately it, it shows the swerve right there. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> oh, boy. I was expecting to have a good episode, and I think we did. Yeah, these are fun issues, and uh, it was Ian, right, that, that recommended men. So thank you, sir. Uh, we appreciate the support, and these are these are good stories. So I, I think those are good ones. Yes, thank you, Ian, and thank you to everyone on Patreon.com, all the fine folks who make the Xavier Files media empire and especially the Battle of the Atom podcast happen. Uh, if you would like to join their noble ranks, you can mosey on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and donate whatever you can. If you can't even donate, that's fine too. I understand there's a lot of great stuff out there and only a finite amount of money. Uh, but if you do donate at the $2 level or higher, you can get an entire episode of this podcast created just for you. Just for you. All around one of the selections that you had. So that's pretty cool. Beyond that, anything that you want about this podcast can be found at XavierFiles.com. That is where all the new episodes go up. That's also where I put weekly uh, X-Men character things about different X-Men characters. I'm starting this kind of new feature called X-Men Monday Roundup where I – take all of the stuff from X-Men social media and all of the hints that the ex-editors have been spouting throughout the week, and I put them in one convenient place so that you don't have to have uh, all of the X-Men editors' Twitter accounts on notify me whenever they tweet like I do, which is the it is the curse I bear. I like that feature. You can also find me on Twitter. At, yeah, I, I'm really happy that it's like a thing that people are doing, but yeah. it's now meant that my phone gets just bogged down with terrible things <laughs> because I'm sorry, Darren Shaw. I don't care what you had for lunch. Oh, 
but maybe you're going to talk about Dazzler, so I got to know. <laughs> I got to know. Uh, beyond that, you can find me on Twitter at Xavier Files and Adam Reck. Where can people find you? Online. Um, so, guys, if you head over to adamreck.tumblr.com, uh, I'm doing new pages of the third Bish and Jube story. Um, so if you like Jubilee, maybe you read Ladies' Night and you want to read more um, you know, Jubilee stuff, the third one is called The Search for Bish and Jubes, and it's basically going to be about where the heck they went after the end of Bish and Jubes' Age of Strife. And uh, I hope you'll tune in. I'm, I'm trying to get a new page out every Monday. Um, those are also going to appear on XavierFiles.com. Um, and if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Arthur Stacy. And guys, I'm going to tell you, I've gotten a sneak peek at where this arc is going. It has my favorite gag in all of Bish and Jubes so far. <laughs> and I'm very excited. I'm excited for you guys to see it. Yeah, but that does it for this episode of Battle of the Atom. This this has been Battle of the Atom, which is what I was supposed to say <laughs> there, and I forgot. Isn't that right, Adam? Yes, this has been Battle of the Atom. And what do we hope? We hope that you survived the experience. Get it!